Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 148 of Midweek Metagame. I'm HarryMTG, joined here by my two regular co-hosts, Patrick Robertson. Good evening, everybody. And Gabriel Nassif. Hey, what's up, everyone? Well, 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 we got the trio on. We're here to talk about a lot of Magic the Gathering. Now, normally we have a bit of a structure, but this week we're trying to work out what we want to talk about, but we have a load of topics. We've got the Arena Championship on Twitch. We've got some questions from the podcast Discord that Pat's going to run us through. We've played multiple formats this week. Standard, Pioneer, Modern, Legacy, even a bit of Arena formats too. So whatever we think is due fit for you guys, we're going to be getting into that. So please stay tuned for some cool discussions. But before we get into things, as always, this podcast is brought to you by Card Market. For those who don't know what they are, it's a marketplace online to buy anything Magic the Gathering related. Deck boxes, sleeves, accessories, singles, you can sell on there. You're not interested in Magic the Gathering, not sure why you're listening to the podcast, but you can buy Pokemon, <laughs> Digimon, Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, Flesh and Blood. Check it out. Card Market are amazing. Thank you to them for sponsoring the podcast. You know who also sponsors the podcast? This week, we have a new Patreon, Trent. Thank you so much for supporting our content. Thank you very much, Trent. Thanks a ton, Trent. Yes, and if you would like to join the Patreons, best place to do so is at patreon.com slash midweekmetagame. No pressure to do so, though. Now, we have some Magic the Gathering to talk about. I believe, Gab, you wanted to start things off this week, if I'm correct. So what are we chatting about? Oh, I'm starting things off. Um, I played a bunch of Standard. I played the Legacy Showcase was no prep. And it was fun. I played both showcases this weekend, Standard and Legacy. Uh, it was a fun weekend. I think I lost every match. Every match I lost, I think I could have maybe won, which is disappointing, but also very cool at the same time because just reminder of how much skill there is in the game. And, you know, if you put in the work, you're... No, more likely than not to get there, maybe. Uh, I don't know, I, I was thinking, made me think of Sam Rolf winning the Arena Championship, which I barely, I basically didn't watch. I started watching the draft a bit, and then I was too upset um, at the, the quality of, of the broadcast. For those of you who don't know, they just use Discord, and if the player's connection's not great, then it was basically like 360p, 480p, and... Kind of a reminder of how little, how little they they care about that stuff. I don't know. It was kind of upsetting. I was my plan was to, you know play the showcase, stream the showcase, and in between rounds go watch the the championship. And I just decided not to. So this is the um, you know, the monthly or the kind of quarterly arena arena championships where like you qualify for this kind of it's twenty four player tournament or something like that, and there's pretty reasonable money, right? I think first one was like thirty k US. And you also get an invite to the the PT finals, right? That's that's what these arena championships are these days. Yeah, exactly. It's the one where you play the monthly qualifier on arena. You have to do really well. It's only thirty two players, and 32. what ended up happening is they didn't have enough players who qualified by going seven wins or better on day one, seven wins or better on day two. It's a really tough structure. That is really, really hard. You have to go seven one or better on day one and then seven one or better on day two. And there was a lot of people who qualified was, you know, kind of at large invites who made multiple day twos, etc. Okay. Uh, racked up those kind of point system. 
And I was I was kind of excited about these tournaments. I, I I've been trying to qualify, um, but yeah, that was it was a, kind of a reminder. You know, it was not even a surprise, and maybe I'm overreacting, but it was just a reminder of between that and the the kind of lack of price support for the paper tournaments. I don't know, just felt bad. It's a it's a shame because that's that feels like this. You know the prize pay at the top feels like it should be a, like a premier premier event, but I didn't even know it was on until the broadcast had started. Yeah, and that I, too. Yeah. Didn't wind up watching. I couldn't tell you what formats it was, other than there was draft involved because I caught a bit of your stream. This is that's that's a real shame. I, th- I thought these were the sort of things where they were gonna put a bunch of time and effort into these because you know when they came out and said that hey we're gonna return to paper play and paths to the pro tour, and this is the way you're gonna get there by our arena. I thought they were gonna dump a bit of bit of effort into keep keeping the prop up that kind of organized play by our arena infrastructure but yeah to yeah. be to, to be fair i'm not sure what what i expected you know they, they didn't try and get spectator mode going when there was the mpl and when it was like a big deal and stuff so there's almost no way we were gonna have spectator mode. Yeah, why would you expect it to be better quality than that was yeah I yeah when when you know they're trying to probably shift back to mostly focus on paper tournament and there's not that much going on as far as competitive goes on arena yeah i feel like as well the fact that they don't promote the event makes me have less hope when i see it's running like i saw the arena channel with 4k viewers all that what's happening oh it's an arena event (laughs) well i'm not gonna watch it because it wasn't promoted and i feel like you know it's similar to paper players is online play they're not promoting it it's not doing great so then they're like well this is probably a waste of money right so then they can start cutting or something so you know it definitely feels really bad and i agree with everything that you said yeah. do, do you think they're not they're not I, I, the impression that i've got is that they're actually quite supportive of the paper play at the moment i guess they're kind of outsourcing all the kind of tournament organization stuff rather than running it internally like they used to but it feels to me like that's where they're dumping most of their kind of that's where they, that's that's the basket their eggs are in in a lot of respect. I think they're just hoping so, arena kind of keep, ticks over in the background as a kind of convenient option for people to play and make them money. But that feels to me like they're kind of trying to get back into that kind of grassroots in-store play uh, focus for tournament magic. There was a leak that basically Wizards has cut all support for GPs apart from main event prize. Like, everyone was like, why is the main event paying dollars in Europe? It's because that that's Watsy paying the main event dollars. Oh, but the side event... These are the, re- the, the regionals? The regional players' championships? So they're kind of... Oh, you don't mean the GPs? Are they literally GPs? I, I didn't think that was... Like, do you mean the RCQs by Legacy and oh, no, I, I, DreamHack? So Legacy, Legacy and DreamHack were all kind of running into... Well, these Legacy monthly things that have been going on, you've been doing casting for, they're kind of... yeah. They're independently run events, right? And like, they just happen to have uh, kind of qualified slots, qualifier slots at the top, right? I think that they have a license to, they're licensed per region. Yeah, they're, so the, you European, have to get a they're the European uh, tournament organizer yeah. that's doing the kind of Watsi hub. Like, and they program. will host, Watsi only hosts the Pro Tour, yeah, the yeah, actual that, Pro yeah. at the top, Pro Tour and Worlds. Mm-hmm. Legacy hosts the RCQ and the RC finals. Yeah, okay, right. Anyway, my, my, I guess my, my, my point was that I think we're still in wait and see mode is still like what their kind of commitment to the, the, the paper coverage and paper kind of 
stuff is and we'll right, we'll right, learn right, that right. when it's the pro tour pro tour pro tour time so after these regional regional championships and the kind of global one that goes on i, I think that'll be the kind of defining that'll define a lot of what's to come yeah also the paper play also worlds right we have worlds yes. in, in a month so we'll see maybe they'll uh I'm guessing they're going to do something really, really good for Worlds, and it's is Worlds in pa- in person. Yeah, it's during the Vegas event. During oh sweet, okay, that's 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 curious. Oh, so that's going to be the 30th anniversary one. Okay, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, I guess I guess we'll see. But yeah, I, yeah, I guess I'm not surprised either to find out this arena championships was uh, not particularly impressive. But you know, congratulations to Sam Rolfe, I guess, for winning it because like you know that guy works pretty hard. And, yeah. Um, puts in a lot of effort and has had, you know, a lot of success over the last couple of years. So, yeah, credit to them. And yeah. good prize good prize burst for it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the format was mm-hmm. Dominaria draft and alchemy. And apparently alchemy. the, the, the right, right call for alchemy was um Ragda Sacrifice. That was a deck uh mirror match in the finals. Uh you know, I was on the Divine, Diviner of Fates. Last time I played, I, you know, that card's totally ridiculous. It was a lot of Diviner of Fates deck, but it was already some Rag of Sacrifice. Um, and it looks like it was actually correct to... Uh, it's funny, it's Rag... No, never mind. I was going to say something uh, just incorrect. But yeah, basically, uh, Rag of Sacrifice did good. There was also some... The the domain decks did okay. I think Michael Bondi top 8 it was domain... Even though you know it is thirty-two players, so top eight is just a quarter of the field, but still, so it was good to see that at least mm. it was not all diviner outfits. Even though I'm not sure when's the next time alchemy is going to be uh, relevant to competitive, because this month I know the qualifier is standard. That's why I've been playing a bit of standard, and mm. happen to have a standard mm. showcase too. So, that's so, cool. but so, so you've been playing a bit of standard, right? Um, yeah. So what, what what's going on in that format at the moment? It's kind of obviously we had a big, pretty big rotation at the moment, and from what I can tell, the threats look really, really, really good, and the answers look less good. So, what, yeah. what decks are kind of what decks are at the top? Are we still kind of like looking at kind of three color decks doing well, like you know, Esper, Esper shards and stuff like that? Yeah, basically black decks. Uh, Esper, I played Esper, Red Black, Grixis. There's some sag decks going over the top eight of the showcase. Every deck was had black in it yeah. i did play a few decks that didn't have black in it that were pretty good there was a the crow keys blue white build was a bunch of bang busters make disappear syncopate and a lot of the good white mid-range cards felt that deck was quite good i tried a few matches was um chris botello's and aria's um Bant storm the festival deck it's pretty cool you get to play grafted identity i think it's called it's a four mana control magic where you sh- you have to sack a, car- a creature but if you reveal it was storm the festival you get to you know you don't have to pay that cost and that way that deck was pretty cool and then i eventually went back to esper i picked up luis salvado's list or something really close i think i tweaked the mana a bit but the main deck i, I kept mostly the same and it just felt strong just rafine and just you know free drops just rafine and wedding announcement kind of I think the two best free drops in this color, no Liliana, no Braids, no Trespasser, and um, just fairly cheap curve. You know, you're playing cards like Denik, you're playing Firection Missionary, which is two free lifelink for two, and for four mana, it's a Gravedigger. 
it's white and the kicker is black. That card was surprisingly good. You play Make Disappear, Wandering Emperor, AO. Um, and yeah, that deck was just solid for me on the ladder. Felt good. I figured I, I, I played that and I, I almost stopped it. I lost the last one. Kind of a heartbreak. I, I was a bit low on time and I made some, some questionable choices and ended up costing me. But the deck was the super good. There's a few things about standard right now. I feel like super play draw dependent. Um, maybe maybe most formats are, but for some reason it really stood out in, in, in standard for me. Just being on the place huge, hitting on tap land is is also huge because you have all these uh, the dual lands that come into play untapped uh, starting on turn three. So you actually want to play a, de- a healthy amount of pain lands, you know, Adder, Curways, and Caves of Coilus. Because it's if you're on the draw and you don't have a two drop in these mirror matches, it's almost a death sentence. You know, you're already on the draw, which is tough. And if if you don't if you don't have an untapped land to play a two drop, it's it's really tough. Yeah, especially considering the kind of diversity of different threes you can face, I guess. So like, you know, you mentioned you have like wedding announcement and uh, Rafine as your kind of your three drops but you could also be playing against Liliana you could be playing against any number of other threats but they all require a different response Wedding Announcement and Rafine line up really badly against you know if you just pass with your removal spell up on, on turn two on the draw and they pass a Rafine you can't kill it because it has ward one and they might play an enchantment uh, yeah it's it's all bad for you I think in that, in that spot yeah you're right you got to kind of catch up so untapped lands and like so you're playing a healthy amount of two drops to kind of try to try to fix that gap yeah. Are, are, there, are there two drops that really really make up the difference though? Because the power seems to spike so much at three, like Fable of the Mirror Breaker uh, is another another classic classic yeah. three. Yeah, it's a big deal to have a creature because they make your two drops make your free drops better. You know, wedding announcements, you have to draw a card if you attack with two, and it's a crusade later in the game. Same for Rafine, obviously better if you can be attacking. That's for Esper colors, but just in general, you know, getting on the board's just really important. It does matter if you have you know, people play that Denic card. I actually don't love it. It's a two free lifelink for a blue and a white. It, it has a passive that says cards in graveyards can't be targets of spells or abilities, which stops Trespasser, Hearse. You know, if people play the reanimator cards, it's good against that too. And it has Disturb too, so it, it, it can come back. It, it's good value, but it feels kind of worse to me than, than Missionary, really, in general. I don't know. It, it's okay, but, um, you know, you've got the. You've got the, the the underdog as well. That's you know really strong and um, yeah. Basically, it's you need to curve out. It does it does add up. You know, even if if your opponent has the free drop, the four drops, just having that that two drops is important. I found that one card I was not sure about to go into specifics was make disappear. It's I was going to ask exactly about that card actually. I was going to ask what like some generic reaction was going to react to spell could be good, but yeah, like make disappear. So tell me, tell me about it. Is it is it, is it worth the slot or not? It's funny. I was kind of my favorite card when I was playing the blue white deck, the the Crokey's list that I believe had four Bangbuster in the main, and mm-hmm. it was really nice synergy because you know you keep two mana up, you get to draw a counter, and I think the reason is maybe. The blue white deck was a little bit more mid rangey, and you had farewell, and it played a bit differently. It wasn't necessarily trying to snowball, whereas the Esper deck you're really trying to snowball was Rafine and and winning announcements and stuff, and you you know 
just super important. And I just felt like I maybe just wanted more two drops, honestly, just more creatures. I felt like make disappear was pretty awkward. You don't have a ton of instant speed spells. You have a couple bang busters. I mean, you can play as many as you want. I had two bang busters in the main and free wandering emperor. And as you know, my only instant speed spells, I guess I had the spot removal to destroy evil infernal grasp, but it was still a little awkward. It's kind of obvious when you have it. And it's honestly just fine to jam creature on two. You're, you can almost never go wrong just jamming a creature on two. And later in the game, you're not super good at making tokens. You do have winning announcement and stuff, but the sacking for the, the casual key cost is not trivial. So that card, I, I'm not too sure about in that deck, but the, the list that ended up winning was Esper was four make disappear, but they also had four bank buster in the main. So right, okay. That's kind of interesting. They actually didn't have Rafine, though. I'm, I'm looking at now it was Black Base, so that four Invoke Despair. And uh, yeah, so kind right, of so a, that, a slightly different was, take. They were heavy Black. They have Liliana? No, no Liliana. Right. It seems like that card's probably maybe not so good in the format. Is that just because of, you know, just the way things are lining up? Like people's kind of spelled, you know, people playing like Mirror Fable, they're playing Wedding Announcement. These are all cards that are pretty pretty bad to kind of run your Liliana into, I guess. You don't really get the trade very much for value of the minus the minus two ability. Um, you know, I would have thought that like you know, a whole bunch a format that's just like a bunch of threats, finding ways to trade resources for, you know, your opponents, potentially your opponents good threats in hand would, would be good. But maybe the mana's just too hard to make work. I don't know. But if they got something invoked despair, what is it about the format that's making Liliana bad? I think it just lines up poorly to the tokens of the cheap creatures, the recurring creatures. And I guess just, yeah, better free drops, I guess. Wedding Announcement, Rafine, yeah. Fable, etc. I mean, some people still still play some Liliana, but maybe it's kind of good against the bad decks. You know, if people are trying to play, are getting too cute with Control and stuff. Mm. Liliana's good there, but it's not good in the black mirror matches. It's, yeah. you know, sometimes laughly bad. Yeah, and but that's the kind of that's, that's the nature of the format, right? So it's all a bunch of mid rangey black decks, all various different flavors of mid range. Yeah, pretty pretty much. I mean, I thought you know some of the non black decks were okay, as I said, but looks like this weekend uh, it was eight, eight black decks in the, in the top eight. I, I'm actually gonna scroll down and try and see how far down you have to go to find someone who was not playing a. Uh, black in in that showcase that they will looks like 11th place there was that that white green deck or naya naya enchantment decks the right of harmony deck which is a card that is kind of like glimpse of nature but it's a white and a green whenever a creature in enchantment enters battlefield under your control this turn you draw a card and that combos well with the rest of your deck obviously even like some cards get you two cards because there's the enchantments that make a token so the enchantment comes into play you draw a card it makes a token you draw a card and i actually think that was maybe one of my mistakes i, I didn't end up regretting it but i think i should have had maybe a farewell or two in my sideboard because farewell kind of probably owns these these random enchantment decks um but yeah because because you should be pre-boarded for black basically so you should be sideboarding very little when you play against another black base deck it feels like since that's all the pretty much all the format is, you can just have your sideboard be dedicated to like maybe the fringe decks. Um, you know, I lost round one while I timed out against a Naya humans, kind of an aggressive deck, so you could 
just have a bunch of extra cheap removal and sweepers in your sideboard. You could have some farewells for these decks and, um, you know, I'm not too sure what you're supposed to do against other black decks to to get an edge after sideboard because A, you should be pre-boarded and B, you know, it's classic. It's They're all like kind of John decks where yeah. you can't sideboard against John. There's what are you going to do? You know, they have discard, they have removal, they have two for ones. So... Yeah, I'm not too sure. It's probably it. It's but, funny. No, sorry, yeah, go, go, Harry. I was going to say, it's funny because Cherry was messaging me while I think uh, I was going to the airport from Paris or whatever, and he's like, Harry, I have no clue what to play in Standard. I was just like, trust me, I played Standard all week with Gab, Mono Black, and he made top 16 of the showcase. Yeah, yeah, he came in 10th, yeah, just pretty stock blacklist and... <laughs> I think splashing's probably pretty good because even you know you can the the main appeal to to mono black is I think invoke despair and the other main appeal is having all your lands come into play on tap no matter what and that can be that can be big but uh, apparently the, the the player who won just played for invoke despair and esper anyway so <laughs> yeah man is that good you can just be mono black with a whole bunch of black x jewels. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little sketchy. 26 lands was... I guess only three lands that don't make black. But um, I guess I guess yeah. it worked out. You know, It's not like you have to play Invoke Despair on, on five mana every game for it to be good. Yeah, it's it's interesting though. Like In in a lot of respects, I would think that if the format's all that mid-range decks, like going over the top and being kind of as greedy as possible is kind of you know a great way to position yourself. You know, if everyone's kind of you know, going going this high, high, he's got a little bit higher, and you're, and you got yourself a big edge. But then you're describing this thing, this this format where you're trying to snowball, you know, you're trying to snowball Rafines, and so curving out is actually really really important as well. So if you stumble, and you're greedy, deck, you can't. Even if you're greedy, you can't really catch up with your more, slightly more powerful cards. But maybe maybe it's, maybe it's possible in this case with this uh, invoke despair Esper deck. I kind yeah, of. It's a good point. Just invoke despair is one of the few cards that lets you come back like gen- and they, genuinely catch up I yeah. think there's also not really lets you catch up but Ao the, the white dragon it just lines up really well because as vision so you can't get rid of it with wandering emperor it hits mm. pretty hard if you kill it it's it's a nightmare you know you get a bunch of permanents or pump your team so that that's another card that's kind of a standout and standard not necessarily obvious that card's going to see a ton of play you know yeah, I just the vigilance is a big a, a big thing. Yeah, obviously, Wandering Emperor is like a card that the format probably revolves around in a lot of respects. Yeah. So I I'm actually gonna probably try and sidetrack us a little bit off of talking about standard and, to, and come back around to this idea of like how to get edges in that in in in, in the mirror in mirror matches because someone in our Discord asked like, is there any like general advice for playing mirror matches? And they asked in the context of playing like red black and pioneer. So, you know, you're describing this kind of John style deck and, you know, Red Black is very much a John style deck and how to find a get, get an edge in those mirror matches. And I, I, f- I figured we can probably talk about the three kind of major archetypes and, like, edges you can get there, like aggro, control, and mid-range. But if we start at, start at mid-range, like, the things you've said are really, you know, they're very much true and kind of a gen- general thing across all formats. It's hard to kind of get a huge advantage in a mid-range mirror. Like if you play, especially in the 75 card mirror, but you know, even in that kind of general, you know, mid-range mirror space, it's hard to get a huge edge by like having any one particular sideboard card, but trying to 
what what sort of advice might you have like either of your or experiences you've had playing mid-range mirrors where you want to kind of you know pacing pacing your threats or you know what what cards that might be good in your main deck like one thing that you know jumps to mind is kind of an obvious thing is like you know, thought is a card that you'll put in your mid-range black decks but in the mid-range mirror it's not so good because you know late in the game it doesn't do anything and you need your, de- your top decks to be live and so that's a card that can easily come out and it just kind of it trades one for one in the way that any other spell would trade one for one but there so but later in the game it doesn't really do that and that's a real a real negative but maybe what, what are some other like tips that you've got for playing playing mid-range mirrors in the past Damn, hitting us with a theory. Yeah, go ahead, Harry. Well, I think in Pioneer, if you're playing the red-black mirror, you have a a lot of your cards do a lot of things against each other because, for example, I would say Fable of the Mirror Breaker and Croxa are your best cards. And um, Liliana of the Veil is okay, but it isn't great because it dies. So, like, I think it's really understanding the value of each permanent in the mirror. Mm. Like, Am I meant to try and protect my Fable of the Mirror Breaker token? Or am I meant to work towards having flipping my Fable? Or maybe there are spots where it's like, okay, do I trade my Fable token away and have no creature on the battlefield to copy? You need to learn how to evaluate what does your opponent care more about on your side of the board. Um, I think also Life Total Extremely matters a lot in, in the Pioneer because you have things like Bone Crusher Giant, Crocs of Damage... Um, Stuff like this, target bone crusher, you take two. I think a big one is fatal push. Uh, fatal, like just killing fable, fable, fable token. That to me is always the hardest part because people will always draw it in the mirror. I think overall, though, talking about mirrors, it's like I think it's very hard to give some sort of advice that would magically make you better it's all about experience and specific matchups yeah. i think there's not like a hey what do i do oh now it's solved it's more like in every matchup you need to evaluate cards cards in hand permanents in the battlefield what do you kill this is every matchup it just feels more complicated because like oh it's the mirror and i think in general mid-range mirror you want to be mid-rangey but i think more like control mirrors i tend to try and be more aggressive and aggro mirrors i tend to be more controlly yeah um I so i think that that's yeah. yeah that that's kind of my general advice for all and also more like i think there's no perfect advice yeah in general in magic you want to be the deck that you want to be slightly doing something slightly bigger than what your opponent's doing so ideally if you're playing a mid-range matchup you'd want to have the slightly more expensive curves slightly more you know powerful late game spells etc but you don't want there to be too big of a gap that you get out-tempoed every time and it doesn't matter that you have these expensive cards because they're not good enough to catch you up. It's tough. Obviously, every matchup is different. You know, it depends is the answer. But yes, some matchups, you know, they'll be like a blind spot. Maybe you have a blind spot and there's like some expensive, you know, I don't know, Nelspeth Suns Champion that you basically have no answer to. So if that card resolves, you're in really bad shape. So if you don't have that card and you open and have that has that card, you have to you know maybe try and end the game as fast as possible. It's tough. I was actually talking about it because I was testing standard and playing these these mirror matches, these black mid range mirror matches was it was tough to really pinpoint what mattered. You know, do you want you know like shield red is a good example. It, it can be really good or 
and win you the game, or it can be die to a destroy evil and you trade down on mana. And you know, that's that's not a good thing. So it's hard to quantify, you know, how often is is it you know the fact that it's gonna snowball how much does that make up for the fact that when it's bad, it's it's trading down on mana on the key turn? You know that you're still turn four, turn five, and yeah, it just felt like you know, maybe that's what I I was doing well. You know, is that I I may I identified that you know just having on tap land on two turn three, you know, mulliganing fairly aggressively. Uh, was important building building your deck accordingly, playing more pain lands, etc. You know these these things in this format, but yeah, playing mirror matches in, in general. I guess for mid range, I want to say like it doesn't really matter. There's probably not much you can do because it's not like you have a ton of cheap spells. So you're probably just gonna play your most expensive card every turn, your most powerful card every turn, especially when counters are not involved. And then I guess yeah, be mindful of of what really matters in the matchup. Yeah, I really, I actually just 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 to pause there for a second. I think that you and Harry both both highlighted. I'm trying to figure out what what are the actual true truly important things. I mean, maybe maybe you have a mirror where there isn't like a true trump, and so you can just you know, it's like you said, you just cast your most expensive card. You know, they either have an answer or they don't. Maybe you get a bit of advantage because they didn't have the answer right away, and just use that to kind of like you know move advance your position a little bit more. But sometimes I'm thinking back, like you know, cast me like more a long way now, but like kind of in like kind of Abzan mid range times or kind of Khan's attack area. Or I remember just if you know if your opponent had specific cards, like if they had an Ugin in the deck or something like that, then you needed to like never ever ever cast your last hero's downfall. So like you go out of your way to like find another way to kill the Elspeth Suns champion that they played because you knew that you had to answer the Ugin at some point in time and so you can't get rid of that last uh, hero's downfall in your hand. So prioritization like that is, uh, and identifying where your priorities need to lie is uh, a pretty important one in the mid-range fight. But yeah, go, go on, Gab. Maybe like, we've talked a bit about, a lot about mid-range. Like, what about control? Control is... I mean, it, it depends. It used to be just make your land drops. You know, making your land drops was really important and stuff, and it still is. Um, I would say most, still kind of the same same things apply. Where you don't want to tap, you usually don't want to be the first one to tap out in a a control mirror, assuming you know a bunch of counter spells and stuff, because you know you tap out, they they counter. Your threats are usually cheaper than their counter. So you're, you're not going to win that battle. And then they untap and they resolve, you know, typically like Jay's Divine Sculpture to Fairy. Um, so, yeah, just that, that, you know, whereas maybe a mid-range mirror, it's pretty incremental. And in control mirror, it can be like incremental. You know, you, you get ahead with card advantage and stuff. Um, you have to be mindful of, even if it feels like the game's going good for you, if you make that one misstep and and open, you know, give them a chance to resolve a, a big threat, that that can you know sw- swing the game. Um, yeah, and I guess just same like 
I don't know if in control it applies that you want to be a slightly bigger control deck. I'm not even sure what no, that would I think mean. That's, but. I think that's actually the, it, this, that's the example where it's the opposite is true. You actually want to be a couple of steps faster if you can be. You know, so we're thinking, maybe thinking about kind of in the, in the context of like blue-eyed and pioneer or maybe modern as well. Uh, you know, having access to lots of shark typhoons to kind of just, even if they're just one, one to two, two sharks, that like putting that pressure on your opponent and forcing them to be the person who needs to act is uh is really is really quite valuable and it's yeah it's less about having this kind of like eight you know six seven eight mana haymaker unless you know there's something particularly kind of like aetherling style or whatever that's that's particularly important yeah i guess we can yeah more specifically guys because good to theorize but yeah in practice like a card like shark typhoon on carable instant speed fred card advantage that's you know dream card in the mirror match just Wandering Emperor is really good in Pioneer. Um, it's just really hard to to come back if if, if you let uh, Wandering Emperor resolve. So, you know, just kind of rambling at this point, I feel. But that's that's, that's totally fine. Maybe yeah. maybe just maybe if we just wrap wrap up the last one, I think Harry, you mentioned that in Agro Mirrors, you're trying to want to be a little bit more defensive. I mean red deck you know super hyper aggressive red decks don't really exist very much in magic at the moment at least in kind of you know standard era sets but um historically i've seen you know mono red mirrors be so kind of be set up in such a way that when you want it you want to be a little bit more defensive and be the person reacting and to go so far as people be taking the draw i've seen people take the draw approach to in mono red mirrors to be the person with one more card and just trade my burn spell for your creature, trade my burn spell for your creature. And, you know, so finding ways to position your deck post-board in, in a matchup for the mirror matchup like that. When your opponent, if your opponent's not on, not on a plan that suits that, then you've got a huge advantage in that spot as well. Yeah. It, it's funny because I played a lot of Popper this week and I've been playing a lot of red, black burn mm-hmm. because Popper has a load of burn in the format. Sure so does. the tech is actually you play red, black burn because of a card called, um, Vampire's Kiss, I believe, and it's one black, drain for two, make two blood tokens, and then you play a load of madness spells, so it's other things that make blood tokens. But in Pauper, Burn is a very common mirror, and ge- generally speaking, it's down to, um, you know, how many lands do you play, because people play Faith is Looting, as well as, you know, making sure the board is clear, whereas in Pauper, you have an awkward one in typical Burn mirrors, because they play the one red sack an artifact, make three one ones. So it's very hard to keep the board clear because they, you know, everyone's making creatures and whatnot and you have weird combat steps. So burn is, at least in poppers, it feels very extremely complicated. And I've found that, yes, burn mirrors go to turn 10, go to turn 12 because a lot of people have life gain. If it's red, white, lightning helix is important if you're going into modern. But I found, yes, control like pat said not really much to expand on you got to be the one you want to be attacking with your creatures and them having no creatures so it's like clear the creatures and then really kind of hope off the top of the deck and that's i guess why you want the extra card yeah it kind of goes back to being slightly bigger you know what's true in mid-range is true for aggro maybe even truer for aggro just having the slightly more expensive cards the slightly better top end because you have a lot of cheap cards and you're going to be able to keep up. And, um, you know, if you're playing aggro against control, you want to usually be as fast as possible and quote unquote go under, you know, just you don't want, you usually don't want late game cards because 
you know, if you do get to the late game, it's probably not good for you anyways. But in, in aggro mirrors, you know, you were talking about drawing first, having that extra burn spell. That's, that's that logic of, you know, being the slightly more control-ish aggro deck. Mm. Oh, well, I think hopefully that's kind of addressed the, the question in a general sense with some, some contemporary examples and some examples from way back when. Um. Speaking of way back when, both of you played a lot the Legacy Showcase this weekend, right? Is that is that true? Yes. Yep. Well, I think Gab already kind of broke down his. Do you want? I guess going into mine. Um, for those who know, I talk about him every week. My testing partner Cherry. I'm taking full advantage of his resources. He's qualified for the mocks. He basically wins any tournament that he plays. We have this rule where every weekend I haven't been able to play every challenge because I've been busy, but I'm going to be trying to play all formats in all challenges with Cherry. And we have a deck building rule with each other in that we'll only play a deck if we think it's busted and doesn't have to think a lot of the time. And Cherry has been playing Helm of the Host and Legacy for over two years. When I first met him, he was playing Helm of the Host. Helm of, Helm of the Host and, and Helm of Obedience. Sorry, Helm of Obedience. Helm of the Host at the equipment spell, yeah. Helm of Obedience, uh, and then you combo with Leyline of the Void. Well, the combo now, you can use Daw 3 Voidwalker. That also is a pseudo ley line. And if you use Helm of Obedience for X's one or more with a ley line or Daw 3 Voidwalker in play, they mill their whole library and you win. So we both played it in the Legacy Challenge. Cherry made top eight, lost in the semifinals. It was the most disgusting semifinals loss I've ever seen. In game three, on the draw... His opponent in a 16 land deck kept a one, uh, sorry, a zero lander. They kept a zero lander that didn't even guarantee a win if they drew a land. He thought sees them, took whatever, and they drew two lands in a row to win. It was disgusting on Doomsday in a 16 land deck. I was literally sitting there like, what the heck am I watching? Like, I, d- I don't even understand the keep, but fair play. Um, so this deck's like a kind I of. May, this, this, this modern black deck is like a dark ritual kind of prison deck right so you're like you're relying um, yeah, on so, opposition well, agent and yeah so i guess i can four dark writ four thought seize four chrome mocks and then you've got four doll three for the combo four rotting regisaur for aggro three opposition agent four shieldred which has been really good in the format you know how many games I've won because my opponent plays Sylvan Library and draws cards with it and then realize what Shieldred does or brainstorms into <laughs> nice. Shieldred? You know how many kills I've got because my opponents cast Brainstorm into Shieldred? Nice. Uro into Shieldred only gains one life. Um, so many wins with Shieldred. You play Shieldred? See, what, what was actually a sick win in the challenge is I played against Doomsday and I had the choice between Karn or Shieldred on turn two. I just played Shieldred because Doomsday wins by drawing cards and they go down to half their life. <laughs> So they, I think they had to brainstorm or or cycle Street Wraith and, and yeah. cycle Edge of Autumn, but they just died. I, I don't know what they... They couldn't win. They just died. Yeah, well, they, have to draw, so they, they lose cool. half the left. They have, to, they have to draw all five cards or at least get through all five cards. So chances are they're probably going yeah. to lose, yeah. lose it all. Or even they have to draw at least three, right? Two left for Thassa's Oracle. Yeah. And three is six life. And if they've lost enough life, you can get one attack in. It's really good. And then you have four Leyline, four Karn three helm and then you've got one helm in the sideboard for the Karn. Um I thought the deck was really good. We also played in the main sorry <laughs> to Turak, the 
kicker that makes them him. Mm-hmm. But then Cherry and I realized it's actually terrible in the deck because you need triple black to kick it, and typically your draws involve Ancient Tomb or a City of Traitors, and you'd have to use Dark Ritual, all of a Dark Ritual into the into the Turak, which is not great. So we've started playing him to Turak, which has been really good because you have draws which are like uh, Dark Ritual, Thoughtseize, him, or even just Dark Ritual, um, Mox, Dothry Voidwalker, him. Yeah. Dothry Voidwalker. I was hoping you were really going to say Hypnotic Spectre at some so, point. In time. Sorry. I started laughing because I was like, we started playing him to Turok in our mono black deck. I'm like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. No, well, we were playing Turok and then we're like, no, no we, we just need him. We just need the him of Turok. That's fine. Yeah, no, and the exactly. way you said it, we started playing like it's kind of a new card. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Guys, <laughs> right. listen. It's a new card to breaking, me, okay? It's a new right card to me. Listen, black, black, black sorcery, they discard two cards at it's trust me it's, it's gonna be the it even comes thing. with four different arts you can choose which one you want one of them has yeah. wolves on it dude i actually oh lost to the creature torak i think i lost the game i won the match but i was like is this just modern i'm just gonna lose to torak as well in, in this format because <laughs> I, I so you played band right yeah i played band i just wasn't too sure what to play and for some reason i wasn't sure i was gonna be able to get minx and boo from mana traders, but I think I would have gotten just fine minx and boost that like busted red green planeswalker. So I saw killer SUV on Magic Online. They just did well in a prelim. They were playing band control, all the good cards looked good enough to me. I was like, yeah, I'll just play that. That's you know in my wheelhouse. And I started off really well. I think I was four and oh, I went four into four four. So, but you know, I had a ton of fun. Games were sweet. It was a little bit like in, in vintage the week before where. There's a lot of drawing more lands and more wastelands than your opening in some games. There is definitely a lot of that. But um, yeah, no, the games were sweet. Same as in standard, I felt like a lot of the matches I lost, I could have won. And I, I don't get to play Legacy much, but every time I play that format, I, I really enjoy it. Um, I don't know if you play Pad, but Harry, how would you rank Legacy compared to Pioneer and Modern? Well, I've actually played like nine legacy leagues in the past two days. So I've I've definitely been enjoying myself. In comparison to Modern and Pioneer, I think that Pioneer for me is the least fun format. And I don't know if that's gameplay wise or just the fact that I've been playing that format too much. In my opinion, my favorite format right now would be Vintage, then Legacy, then Pauper, then Modern, then Pioneer. Nice. You okay. can't hear the, po- the, the Modern and Pauper podcast. And Modern and Pioneer yeah. podcast. Yeah. And I feel like Legacy, what I like actually is that there is a lot of deck diversity. However, I think that a form of gameplay that isn't really anyone's fault is that it's so slow with all the cantrips. Like... Ponder, to me, is, like, such a slow cantrip, so the thing that actually makes me quite bored of the format is how slow people play. You should have played when they played think it's Divining Call. <laughs> yeah, dude. Exactly. And I think it's, like, if you have patience, I think the format is a lot of fun, but I, I definitely think if you get bored by people playing slow, I, would, yeah. I wouldn't so, do that. So, I mean, I play Legacy very infrequently, but I enjoy it when I do play. Uh, I play it in small doses. I actually own uh, a couple of Legacy decks in paper, so I have... Uh, 
Blue Red Delver. I have, well, I had, I had Red uh, Rug Delver and uh, Grixis Delver, but I also have a uh, Sneak and Show, which is a completely dead deck now. But it's uh, I've been a pet with a pet deck of mine about five years ago where I, I won the like the Australian Masters twice, two years in a row. Uh, with it, so I enjoy Legacy, and I agree with what Harry says. So, like, it's pretty ponderous, kind of watching it, watching, especially like just playing these local events. I mean, just sitting there and watching people kind of resolve, brainstorm, and ponder. Just at this kind of agonizing speed. It's it's, it's a little bit much, but they're, they're really involved games. Um, I always kind of had this feeling like Legacy's like Legacy's like a really kind of compressed format in a lot of respects. Like you kind of. It has like the same amount of decisions as most games of Magic, but they just happen in such a short space of time. So like you have to do kind of like, you know, all your spells cost one mana. Um, your interaction's free with Force of Will. Uh, so yeah, all this stuff's happening in kind of like between the first three or three or three or so turns. But games can last like twelve turns. But like there's so much. It's so dense. Every turn is really dense with decision making. So it is quite tiring to kind of play. And it's not surprising to me that people play quite slowly, but. Uh, yeah, it's good in small doses. I haven't played in a little while, though. I played maybe played a little bit of uh, Blue Red when Ragavan was legal just to kind of feel what it was like. But, um, yeah. All right. I, I've got a soft spot for the format, and there's two moxes in my in my trade binder that that, I, that I've won playing it. So, yeah, it'll always, hmm. I'll always be a little bit fond of it. Yeah. I found that players as well are quite salty. Oh, dude. I think... Legacy, Legacy players are a rare breed here. Yeah. <laughs> Legacy and Vintage, I don't know why people go into the former understanding that the power level is high, yet I still get so many people messaging me about how lucky I am because I drew the busted card in my deck. Like, the actual funny one today is I was playing with Cherry on Discord and my opponent started raging to me like, you play this deck so badly you don't even understand how to play it because I was playing the mirror. And then I just put in the chat like, I just put like, do you not know that I helped design this deck? (laughs) And then, and then they, st- they, act- what actually was really funny to me is like, oh, you designed this deck. Why are you playing him to Torak? I obviously didn't reply because the guy swore to me like six times. I beat him 2-0 and then straight under the, why are you playing him to Torak? is like, F you, you're still shit or whatever. It was like <laughs> jokes. I, yeah, it was like classic MTGO salt, yeah. but I actually really love it. What do you think of the format gap? I feel like it's it's cool. It's kind of really midway between modern and vintage. Uh, it has a little of a modern feel, the vintage feel, you know, right in the middle. Um, I, I, I like it a lot. I like Pioneer a lot right now, I think, yeah, in a big part, because, you know, I found blue-white control. That's, you know, a deck I like. I play well. I do well. It's pretty strong, you know, arguably, you know, top-tier, top-free decks best deck you know um so that's cool modern same i'm kind of nothing appeals to me right now in modern um i guess i didn't get around to uh you know i said i would try to learn how to play play and learn how to play hammer time because that deck just seems to do so well but yeah i'm looking forward i just like the it's kind of cool the um with the showcases it gives you a reason to to play all the different formats yeah, I, I've been I've been in the same boat as you, Gab. I think that Pioneer is the thing I'm enjoying the most. It's a kind of it's the most content I'm watching. It's what I'm thinking about the most. It's still got that. It's still. I mean, I, this is just an aesthetic thing for me, but it still has that like authentic kind of straight 
through standard magic feel to me. Um, the top decks, I like the kind of differences between the top decks. I like that there's this kind of like, you know, fast ramp deck and then there's this mid-range red-black deck and then blue-white. They're all good and reasonable choices that you can make. Those feel like kind of classic archetypes. Uh, yeah, it just feels like classic magic to me. At the moment, my engagement with magic is just kind of doing it because it feels good so or doing it to enjoy something. And so, yeah, there's, there is value for me in experience having a feeling that like it reminds me of something that, that i used to do it reminds me of a pastime anyway um yeah and modern has kind of lost a little bit of its shine for me not necessarily because i think it's a bad format i think the gameplay is really good but nothing's really like demanding to me that i should play it or spend time thinking about it if you know what i mean i mean i still think a little bit about Merktide, but it's like it's like would i play four dragon rages channelers and two registrators or would i play four registrators and two dragon rages channeler this week is like about the level of thought that i put into it when I look at the results or watch people stream or anything like that. Um, yeah, I'm kind of, modern seems like it's gone through a little bit of a shakeup at the moment as well. Like you know, the addition of Leyline Bindings kind of made Merktide region a less dominant threat in a lot of respects, or it's kind of added to the, the pile of like stuff like Solitude. It means that like, you know, there's more answers for Merktide now that, so, so the, the blue red deck has to kind of change its game plan and maybe like, you know, Planet's flag being really good at specific things, but you know, realize that it's not gonna not gonna win at all against kind of the four color decks or even the creativity decks that have kind of you know gotten really good now, or at least been putting up good results. But yeah, yeah, I'm kind of you know off of modern, loving Pioneer and absorbing Pioneer content, and you know have fun a soft spot for Legacy, but <laughs> not doing too much. I have enjoyed watching Standard though, so like it's been cool kind of you know obviously watching people play Standard on Magic Online with the with the showcase. But uh, also been watching a little bit of Arena as well. Yeah. Now, I like Standard 2, even though it's a lot of Black Mirror Rich Mirror. They're pretty interesting. It is it is pretty play draw dependent. And maybe, you know, it could be an interesting format to try and, and solve and see if really there's no room for anything but Black deck. So uh, I've enjoyed Standard. I've been drafting to... I got, yeah. to, I got to double Mythic. Mythic, Inconstructed, <laughs> and Limited. Did you tweet no big about deal. It? No, not really. Um, yeah, 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 clout minimization. Uh, yeah, but um, <laughs> you don't need any no, more clout. It's fine. No, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying. Uh, I don't know. I feel like a lot, a lot of the all the formats are pretty honestly. Most of the formats are, are good right now. Just enjoying it all. Maybe I should draft. Maybe I should put a little bit of money in Marion account and just draft. I haven't drafted in a couple of sets. It'll be fun. Yeah, it's a cool format. Yeah, I mean, this is the sort of the, exactly the sort of limited format that I seem to like as well. I've watched a bit. Yeah, it seems like a lot of ways you can go. Yeah, plus it's a format that's going to be our world, so mm. always nice to to kind of know what's going on when you when you go and watch the the coverage for world. Yeah, for real. Now, it's nothing like watching a tournament when you're like you're invested in the format itself, like those pro tours where you're like hanging out to find out what constructed decks are going to be are going to do well because it's going to define the next kind of you know few months of P- pdq grinding or something like that it was a really good feeling kind of tuning see what people are playing constructed or like you know this like draft format that you've to play a lot of see what see what people are doing as well that's yeah that, in fact that's you know if we kind of come back around full circle and talk about the quality of coverage again that's i feel like that's when magic coverage was at its heyday when people on the ground in the trenches had reasons to be invested in watching what the pros were doing 
because it all just kind of synced up in the same kind of like cycle of the ecosystem. You know, you know the, 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 the qualifier formats would be the pro tour format that just went past. So there was heaps of engagement in turn and, and desire to know what was happening in this new, new undiscovered format so that we could be prepared to go and, you know, try and qualify for the next one and that sort of stuff. And, you know, maybe there would be sealed deck and draft tournaments that were going on as well that would qualify you. And that doesn't, there's just no, no, synchronization of those things anymore and so it all feels a little bit kind of just all over the place and difficult to kind of be like okay this is where i'm focusing now and there's a reason for me to pay attention to this weekend's tournament coverage because it will be relevant to me now it's like do i enjoy sitting around watching people play magic and having people talk over the top of it yeah but i have thousands of options of people doing basically the exact same thing and i can just pick and choose what i feel like being interested in this point in time but yeah there's kind of the goals aren't aligned anymore, and that's a real problem. I think that's because of how many formats there are. In the past, Definitely. you would just watch one format get that one deck you want to play, or two formats, whereas now it's like, I could have watched the Arena Championship to work out when I want to play an Alchemy, well, obviously or that, I could watch no the Legacy Alchemy. European Tour no for Modern. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I just think that there's no connection like yeah, you're saying well, it, used, it no- used to be that the pdq season was one format so that like, it would be like okay it is standard season and we need to know about standard and standard will be these sets mm. and maybe we'll add one more but that's what's that's what's going to be played for the next three months so everyone in the entire competitive magic scene is like going okay it's standard time and all the content would be focused around that and now it's kind of like oh i've got a modern tournament this week i've got a pioneer tournament this week oh someone's running sealed deck in this at this store all on the same weekend the coverage there's like big streamers streaming every different format and the coverage is fucking alchemy (laughs) like jesus christ the six-sided card format (laughs) definitely feels disorganized yeah Yeah. disorganized play yeah let's let's call it that (laughs) it could be the good name for the a podcast or the title of this podcast maybe we should yeah maybe it's a rebranding time disorganized play Disorganized play. If, yeah, if as a listener, you think this is a very good idea, you should write it and tell us and join the Discord and uh and just It's sad because I feel like every time we talk about this, we're just like, Oh, it was so good in the past. Like are we just like boomers or was it actually so good in the past? Can it kind of be both? No, yeah, a bit of both. It does there's always like complaints and stuff and nothing was never perfect but oh, people people whinged about it back in the day they absolutely whinged about it when it was like old style pdqs and they were really big people complained that they were so big and only one slot invite oh how is this sustainable this is crap and then they said okay well we'll just do ppdqs and people complained about that and then they took it all away and people really complained about that yeah. um, now they're bringing <laughs> it back and you know, magic players will complain but it, at least when in the kind of pre-MPL time, I felt like there was this kind of, as I tried to try, as I was getting at before, this like alignment between what you were doing in a kind of, as a, as an amateur, as an amateur competitive player, what you were what you were trying to achieve was essentially synced up globally. Like everyone was a lot, everyone was doing the same thing at the same time in this kind of rhythm. Like it was, you know, like I said, it's literally called seasons. And, yeah. You know, mm. It's. Is it, that a? It worked. Yeah. It's not necessarily like a good thing, right? I guess there's it's not black and white, but yeah, there was also the fact yeah. that the, the price pool barely went up for the history of magic, you know. No, yeah, there's, th- there's thousands of reasons to complain, especially and the GP price pool. I think it was just still <laughs> yeah. like it's kind of embarrassing, really, when there was like 
four and a half thousand people. It was the same as same payout as when there were two hundred people in Brisbane, Australia. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and now the prize pool is a fifth. So. Well, no, now the prize pool is actually really high, but no one gives a shit. Is it? Well, I mean, that arena championship was thirty thousand k to first place. Yeah, but that's a championship yeah, for yeah. 30 people. Yeah. The Legacy European Tour is only 2K for first. Yeah, right. Okay, fine. Yeah, that's true. But that's, for that's, 400 independent, players. that's independent circuit stuff. Like Star City money was kind of about that. Yeah. Right. But yeah. But then the Star City games, 20K at 200 players. So people don't even care about the prize pool. Yeah. Anyway, you know, I think yeah, the answer is it's a bit of both. Like it's, it, we are boomers, but also like, I don't know. It was formative times for all of us in a lot of respects, and even you know, even if Harry, Harry, and Harry is but you know, ten, 10 plus years separate from Gab and I, like it's still kind of formative things. Of course, it's of course it's reasonable to reminisce about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, yeah, you, you need to feel like people care. I guess that yes. Wizards care. Is that other players care? That. Yeah, I mean, there was just this one bit of kind of, there was one focal point of prestige and like everyone kind of aspired to roughly the same thing. And like there were sub goals along the way and stuff like that and other other things. But like there was this kind of like, there was one proving ground for like genuine credibility. Like it didn't matter if you're an SCG player or you're a P or, or whatever. Like if, if someone's like in the local scene, like if you were going to pro tours, like that was a big deal. And if you were top eight at the PT, that was a really, really big deal. Mm. And everyone kind of, that was a benchmark for credibility. And everyone kind of cared about the same thing. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, I was, I remember what, something about, someone, re, you know, so about talking about coverage and stuff. And I said that, you know, I, I'm a big Dota fan, Dota 2. I, I watch a lot. I used to play a lot. I, no, I just mostly watch. I don't really play. But why is, you know, the international, I mean, I guess the price pool is important, but it's basically you you care because you know how much the players care, you know, that's mm, that's yeah. why it's so incredible. You know, that's literally all they care about. And I guess part of it has to do that it's like disproportionate price pool compared to the rest of the year. So maybe that's not great, great argument, but, you know, sometimes I feel like, you know, it was like in the MPL, you felt like even the players didn't really care. If the players in the MPL, it feels like they don't really care. Like, how are you supposed to care? And yeah. I don't know. I guess it's just virtuous cycle or vicious cycle. And <laughs> a virtuous cycle. That's probably not the, probably not the way to do it. No, no. Not right now. Yeah. yeah, there's both, but, you know, it's like. Oh, okay. But it goes both. It can go both yeah. ways, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. I just never, I'd never heard the term virtuous cycle before. That's a, oh, maybe it's a French thing. I don't know. You maybe, say, yeah. certes vicieux, you have vicious cycle, and you say, certes vertueux. Okay. I, we, yeah, we, I just, it, I've, I've certainly never heard, heard the virtuous cycle before. But I mean, it makes perfect sense, actually. Like, it's like kind of like positive feedback. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay, this is the, 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 the philosophizing section of the <laughs> podcast. It's <laughs> coming to an end. <laughs> We've done. We started. My vote: more money, more players. Yeah, I just, I, I'm I'm on wait and see for paper tournaments. I think, yeah, you know, I think this this season yeah. of kind of things is going to go through, and if it goes pretty well and, and they improve things uh, along the way and tune it up, I think it's just it's the sort of thing that we can, we can maybe get back somewhere. Yeah, somewhere no, it's true. But I'm never going to be 25 and obligation free again. So like, it's yeah, yeah that's never going to that's never coming yeah. back. 
No, I, I did feel like what they announced for this year was pretty good and it was Agreed. a good starting point and stuff. So, I don't know, maybe I'm being a little negative right now. Yeah. I think the major problem lies in that the streams get no views, so what's you're like, is this really worth our money? They lower the money, then the views lower, and then it spirals. I think the roots lie on the Twitch account and and the viewers, right? That what makes Watsy money. If this arena championship got a hundred thousand viewers, I think the first thing Watsy are doing is pumping money into it, right? So I don't know. Well, I don't, I don't Magic know. Pro Tour, I think Magic, Pro Magic Tour, right now is a huge. Hmm? Magic Pro Tour existed for a very long time pre-streams. And yeah. Yes. Also, the True. Magic PTs literally used to get like twenty to fifty k viewers, and yeah, yeah, but yeah. top eight, top eight would be 60 k. And I think the funniest thing to me in Magic is people are like, "Oh, that price is too expensive. I'm I'm not going." Okay, well then they have to raise the price because who's going to pay for the venue? Yeah. And it's like, "Oh, that stream's bad. I'm not going to watch it." Okay, well if no one watches it, then they're going to stop doing it. No, oh, maybe there's just know, not a market. Then maybe we're just you yeah, know, kind of clinging to uh, yeah. Well, that's you're very right yeah. to something that's not that's not a purpose to to be there anymore. I think that from what it looks to be in other esports, they seem to be having money problems. And if other esports are having money problems, I mean, how's Magic gonna do? So, you know. Well, yeah, but that was, I think that's that, never the 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 whole point of the PT was it was supposed to be their their marketing you know tool. And so mm, they were not it, meant it, to it, make they're not meant to make they were not meant to make a profit with the pro tour and the Twitch views and not it was just so that people would buy cards. But I guess now it's like I mean we've talked about it so, so many times. Just you know, ninety percent of players I think just play Commander, so obviously they put a ton of resources in that and then. But there's the argument that it's not because you know ninety percent of your player base is commander that you don't have, you shouldn't focus on the ten percent if that ten percent you know is still also making you money and stuff. Well, um, I, I would also part of the ecosystem and et cetera, I would et also I would also argue that ninety percent of your player base playing commander is really good when your player base is really large and the reason Magic player player base is so large is because it's had sustained success for so long and a lot of the sustained success is in the visibility of the professional play infrastructure and organized play infrastructure that grew that kept the game alive while it was kind of you know teetering and yeah. grew it into what it is today. And so, like, if you say that 90% of our players are commander players, well, maybe one day it'll be 100% of your players are commander players and you only got 10% of the total player base that you had previously because everyone else has lost faith in the product. Yeah, the pro- I mean, it's, it's, it's like, you know, you don't want to, how do you say, you don't want to just pick the one thing that works well and ignore everything else because yeah. it's like shrinks, shrinks. It's like kind of... I agree. I'm not yes. exactly sure how to what, put it in words. I don't know. It's it's just a very strange. It's it's a very difficult kind of kind of product to kind of break down and analyze. I think, especially from our invest our vested position, where we're like, you know, we obviously think that this aspect of it is really good and really yeah. worth and worth supporting, and so we're always going to be a little bit biased and looking for reasons to support that and justify that thing's existence and why it's important to prop it up, even if it's not necessarily so but i do think that the pro tour had the reason magic exists today and is is played in large numbers majority of it being commander is because of the pro tour infrastructure that 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 came to be early on and stuck around for a long time 
that we all you know, played a bit, a bigger yeah. or small part and, of. Yeah. And Commander literally exists because the Pro Tour existed, right? Because people yeah. met up and judges so, got together and wanted to play. Yeah. So, so you know, if you get rid of, if you like narrow down the ecosystem, then you might be missing out on the next evolution of Magic. And- well, that's that's another point of it as well. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's alchemy, and we're all just shitting on it and just laughing about it. <laughs> you know. Well. I mean, I think commander players have it. Commander can easily grow because it's so much cheaper, right? Because a commander, a commander player only has to buy a product every three to six months, and they get two hundred dollars value from a forty dollar pack. Whereas for us, Modern Horizons is released, and we have to spend six hundred dollars on singles to keep our decks updated, and then they'll tank in a bit. Like I think the that problem. I mean, this is an infinitely long discussion. I yes. think is is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So it's too complicated, do we and we don't to... understand it well enough. You know, people, yeah. Yeah. people at Hasbro know what they know what their benchmarks for success is, the success are, and they know how best to optimize for those. So they will do that. Yeah. yeah. Should we put our lives on the line? Sure. Okay, for All those formats. who don't know, <laughs> life on the line, theoretical tournament, win the event you live, lose you die. I'll bring a deck list in every format that you think is relevant to yourself today. So in Legacy, I'm going to be bringing Mono Black Helm. Pioneer, I'm going to be bringing Mono Green. Whoa. In Modern, I'm going to be bringing Mono White Hammer. In Legacy, I'm going to be bringing Mono... Uh, sorry, Vintage, Mono Blue Paradoxical Outcome. <laughs> in Pauper, I'm going to be bringing Red, red Black Burn. Pauper. Basically, Mono mm, in every format. Okay. Right. All right, I reckon I can go. So, in Legacy, I would play Blue Red Delver. Jeez. In Modern, I would play Blue Red Murktide with main deck Blood Moons. Okay. In Pioneer, I'll play Red Black Midrange. Mm-hmm. In Standard, I really like to look at these Jun decks that uh, that the top eight of. I think these kind of. I can't even tell you the text on uh, the four mana four mana removal spell, but it looks like it catches you back up pretty effectively. And that looks pretty fun to me. So I'll play that that Jun deck. Though I think uh, the Esper deck is probably probably the best deck. And did I miss anything out? Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick anything for Alchemy. <laughs> Alright, I'm gonna go with standard. I'm gonna say Esper, but I'm not even exactly sure which Esper closer to what I played was Rafine or maybe closer to what Ura first played and one the showcase was was the Invoke Despair list. Um, for Modern, I've barely played Modern, maybe Creativity. Ooh, for Pioneer, well. Yeah, for Pioneer, Blue-White Control. And if I had to play Legacy again, I like the, the Bandic I played. I thought the list was super solid. The sideboard was good. I liked having a lot of lands in my deck, 20 free lands. Life from the Loam was an all-star for me. Yeah, every time you, I saw you cast that, it was pretty impressive. Yeah, I would maybe go up to four Wasteland and maybe a third Life from the Loam, but then maybe it's a little too much air. Um, and yeah, I actually got punished. I think one of the matches I lost, I I like trimmed too many blue cards, I think, or didn't board out enough non-blue cards, and then I lost because I couldn't force. So I had like four non-blue cards in hand and couldn't force so well anyways um maybe splash the red but 
you know, mix in booze probably like unreal, but adding a force color is definitely a real cost. You know, I've been talking about wasteland and stuff. Even sometimes in your free color deck, you don't have the mana you need. So who, who knows? And this, yeah, is not guess, an odds, this is not an odds of the life on the line, by the way. Yeah. But I guess I'm going to stick to these formats because that's, that's kind of what that's, I've played this week. I've got a good prices right Ooh, card. All right, nice. Me. We talk about Commander. Oh, it's no. a Commander card. Oh, it makes it. I opened up. Okay, I opened up Commander card in Magic Online today, and I I, I assume a lot of listeners notes from the most recent Commander set. I've got to read it to you guys. Their name is Elminster. <laughs> it's three blue white. Okay. Legendary Planeswalker. It can be your Commander. Five starting loyalty. <laughs> Whenever you scry, the next instant or sorcery spell you cast this turn costs X less to cast, where X is the number of cards you looked at while scrying. The plus two is draw a card, then scry two. And minus three is exile the top card of your library, create a number of 1-1 blue fairy fairy dragon creature tokens with the flying equal to that card's mana value. How am right. I supposed to evaluate it this? Can I don't even know Wait, wait. Minus three against... Go again for the minus three. Minus three. Flip the top card. Make one one flyers equal to the CMC. So if it's a land, you get nothing? Yeah. And if it's like a five drop, you get five one five loyalty and it goes up to seven and you draw a card and scry two? No. And it discounts your... It's five goes straight up to seven. Draw a card, scry two. And when you scry, yeah. spells you cast okay. cost X wow. less to cast. It's from the most recent set, so many people, like many pre-cons of this, I have no clue how much this cost. I just thought it'd be banned. Do you know how much the pre-con cost? The pre-con will be like $40, $50. And there's one of that card in every of these pre-cons. Everyone who buys the pre-con gets it, yeah. One to do, but okay. This is one of the worst life of the uh, prices. Right well, now. I don't know how much it's going to cost. I've got it. I've got it. Okay, I've got one. Three... Two, one, eight, 14. Right. I said eight. And you said 14, Harry? If this is like 60 bucks, I'm done with magic. What did you say, Gab? 20. <laughs> it's two. Oh, I was close. <laughs> it's, it's two. Incredible. <laughs> Who wins? Me. Classic me. He's time 10x. <laughs> Sorry, I thought it would actually be worse. I opened it on Magical Night. I thought it was like, oh, this is a sick card. Guess not. Okay, my bad. <laughs> Get your Elminsters on Magical Line for two euros. Build a commander deck around and send it through. Don't. Okay, fine. Don't do that. That was a bad choice. Yeah, where can we find it in the internet? Twitch.tv slash yellowhat. Awesome. Pat? Twitch.tv slash getsmart? Jeez. I don't stream, but... I haven't uploaded on YouTube in a while. Hoping to get a YouTube video out soon. Harry MTG on YouTube. I stream today, but I don't, I don't think I'm going to be streaming much. It's not worth I streamed for two and a half hours and made $2. Not to flex. But, um... Wait, you didn't get a single sub? I got one sub. It's like two bucks, yes. right? Two buck fifty yeah. from the split. That's right. I even yeah, rated not, you. Not, <laughs> I know. Appreciate that. But we also appreciate everyone listening. If you made it this far, thank you so much. Thank you. We'll catch you guys next time. Peace. Yeah, hope you enjoyed the rambling and hope you all have a great week. Take care.